Hi, and welcome to DOD Secure, a podcast discussing national security and the protection of classified information. Here's where hard-hitting discussions tackling security clearances, insider threat, security programs to protect classified information, and intellectual property occur. We are so glad you are here, and this podcast is brought to you by SecurityClearanceDefenseLawyer.com and attorney Ron Siskis. Ron consults in all areas of security clearance concerns, and he can be reached by phone at 256-398-3316 or through his website. It's also brought to you by Security First and Associates. They provide FSO, CSO, consulting and training services. Hiring a full-time FSO can be expensive, A less expensive alternative is to use our managed security services. Our team of security professionals can help to minimize risks by assisting with many vital services from fingerprinting and background checks to DSS security vulnerability assessments. We also offer JPASS, FSO, and CSSO training. If you don't see the services you need, just ask. Security is our life. And by Red Bike Publishing at www.redbikepublishing.com, which has training resources and books based on security clearances and protecting classified information. You can also get your copy of NISPOM or your copy of the International Traffic and Arms Regulation or the ITAR there. Also included are books and training that you can download and present to your cleared employees. Our host, Jeff Bennett, is an author who publishes books as well as articles on clearancejobs.com. Episode 3 of our podcast, and this episode is on derivative classification. The reason I chose to talk about derivative classification is it's if you're a defense contractor working on classified information, anything you produce would be considered derivative classification. Contractors, and except for a few government agencies, do not have original classification authority. But what contractors do have is the ability to derive or provide derivative classification. And this simply means the classified information already exists, so now they are able to assign the classification that already exists to a new product. And these new products could be something that has been printed, has been built, and and the classification is based on something that a government agency has already deemed classified. And so um, my company, Red Bike Publishing, is aware of the the training that should be required and um, the emphasis is out again put out by defense security services that yes contractors must continue to do derivative classification training every two years so it's been about two years since it has been implemented so now dss is looking at companies and ensuring that they have done their um next installment of the two-year required training So this podcast is based on our derivative classification training module, and we hope you find it very helpful. All right, so we talked about derivative classification being 
um, you know, the word means derived from, right? Derivative means brought from something else. So what is derivative classification? It's already classified. However, a contractor may use classified material to develop a new um, product through incorporation or using information found in one product and placing it into a new one or restating some classified information that was already stated one way and taking information found in one product and placing it again into a new product. Um, the duplication or reproduction of existing classified information is not considered derivative classification. It's just another copy of it. So it's got to be a new product. Um, another derivative classification definition is the use of paraphrasing, rewording classified information from one document and you know putting in new words in another one, or generating or building a new product based on instructions or guidance found in another product. So basically, you write reports, you conduct tests, um, the end result might be raw data or a finished product that is in a new form, so that is derivative classification. So cleared contractors or clear defense contractors should not or cannot perform derivative classification functions until the people that are doing the derivative training uh, classification receive the proper training. And this training is um, description is found in NISPOM. And you can get your copy at redbikepublishing.com if you want a printed copy. Or they're online. They're free at DSS websites. Um, so the elements of training that are required for derivative classification. Again, you don't have to be an FSO to know this or to follow these instructions. Any size clear defense contractor from one to two people all the way up to 50,000 people employees who perform these functions must receive the training. So what is in the training? Well, um, you, you've got to know what the classification levels are. Confidential, secret, and top secret. you got to know what the classification is of the information you're working with. The duration of the classification. The identification and the markings that should go on the classified product. Classified or classification prohibitions and limitations, meaning what can you do to classify information. There are rules that say you can't classify information to cover up something bad. There are reasons where things are to be classified. Sanctions, if you violate classification levels or expose classified information to unauthorized persons. Uh, classification challenges, you know, if you're working with something that's not at the right classification level or is classified but should not be or is not classified but should be. You should be able to challenge that. And security classification guides that tells you what the classification level is. And information sharing. How do you share classified information with somebody else? So these are required elements as spelled out in National Industrial Security Program Operating Manual. I'd encourage every cleared employee or anybody with a security clearance in the DOD to get this manual. So let's talk about the first element. It's the classification levels. Um, cleared employees, especially those performing derivative classification, should understand you know, how to recognize classified information, you know, how to receive it, how to process it, store it, and transmit it properly. If you don't have these foundations down, then um, 
you may not understand how to protect classified information in your charge. It's one of the foundational steps to being a derivative classifier. There are three levels of classification based on the impact or potential damage to national security. That's basically how they're defined. Confidential information, if improperly exposed or released, could cause damage to national security. Secret information could cause serious damage. And top secret information can cause exceptionally grave damage. Now it's important to leave these classifications level, levels assigned to government products that are identified as such from the original classification authority. Um, I worked in one situation where uh, the defense contractor used these same classification levels to protect company confidential proprietary information or trade secrets. And it basically said, do you want to come see our secrets? Because I was there to protect things. And I said, oh my goodness. And they went and showed me a file cabinet. And then I realized what they were talking about. Their confidential information was, you know, personal identifiable information. And not really national security information. So it's important that you distinguish the difference between those type of products and protect them at a different level. And not use national security classification levels. Um, defense contractors carry over the communicated classification to the new product. Remember, if you're restating it, generating it, paraphrasing it, or incorporating it, you're providing a derivative classification. And it's important that the new derived product is treated at the proper classification level. It'll be based on the original um, classified product you started working with. The um, classification levels are found, again, in the original classifi classification authority guidance, and they're communicated through the classified source documents. For example, if you have secret documents in your security library that you're using or that your engineers use or your cleared employees or you're one of them, and you're writing a report based off a compilation of other classified documents, you're going to use these source documents at your classification level. The security classification guides, or the SCGs, also provide instructions for classification levels. So if you're performing tests on a system, look at the classification guide, and it'll tell you what level those test results should be kept at. Um, also, the DD Form 254 will provide the classification level, too. So be sure to use those or consult those if you're unsure what the new product should be classified at. Um, you know, in practical terms, derivative classification is the repackaging of classified data. You know, it's generated from many sources, including testing, research, building, you know, classified end items, or assembling classified government or commercial off-the-shelf items. Again, that new product is a derived classification uh, item, which has a derived classification level. The um, duration, duration of classified information should be in the classified by line. This document is classified at the blank level. For example, it's secret level, and it's classified by. And this is where you put the original classification authority information found in the SCG, the DD Form 254, other classified items. The uh, duration of classif classified information can be up to 10 years. Um, should not extend past 25 years, and if there are special circumstances, they can go longer. 
but make sure you understand the duration of it and you get that correct. The classified byline identifies that the derivative classifier by name and or position, and you have a derived from line, um, this lists the sources where the derived information came from. It can be from one product or from multiple sources. And if you use multiple sources, you should keep a record of those sources so you can go back later in case your memory doesn't serve you well and you, and you can understand what those classified sources are. And there, um, this is how a classified line should look. You might have a classified by Jared Gerard of XYZ Contractor Company derived from derived from the, the name of the system, security classification guide. It might say the next line will be downgrade to confidential, and then you put a date and declassify on, and then you put the date. And so that's what the identification markings look like as far as the classified byline. And now once you get done, you have your identification markings. The classified items should be properly marked to indicate the highest classification level from all the resources that you do. These include documents, computers, DVDs, tapes, reports, hard drives, end items, CDs, presentations, anything else you can think of. And the classified markings will warn the user of the classification level. Remember, secret, confidential, top secret. And you want to mark these on the top and bottom of each page with portion markings on the paragraphs or illustrations and graphs. You might want to, if you have removable hard drives, computers, and objects. So some great tools to use are cover sheets. If you have a document or a box or something small that you can put a cover sheet on, Confidential cover sheet will say confidential on the top and the bottom, and it'll be blue. Um, secret cover sheet is red, and top secret is orange. So when people see those, they'll be used to seeing what the classification level is, and they'll treat them properly and not mistakenly leave them laying around. Now, you should only mark the classification levels only based on the guidance found in the sources that I told you about earlier, the 254, the SCG, or the classification markings. And this section is you know, what are the prohibitions and limitations of classifications? Well, you shouldn't be using classification to hide incompetence or legal violations or inefficiencies or proprietary data or mistakes. You might remember like the old spy movies or corporate espionage where, where you might put something under the banner of classified because somebody did not do their job right or somebody was trying to hide a, a toxic spill or something. Um, those aren't the right reasons to classify something. Again, they should be classified only based on the original document, the 254, or the security classification guides. Don't forget, you can't use it to prevent embarrassment, prevent or restrict competition, or delay the release of information. Um, so what happens if you release least classified information to unauthorized persons? Well, you get sanctioned. What that means is classified information is nothing to leave around while going on lunch break or discussing in the carpool while driving back and forth from the office. You've got responsibilities. These sanctions could include anywhere um, from, uh, I guess, a good chewing out to possibly jail time. All clear employees should be working with classified information 
they should know how to protect and treat it at all times. You know, at, at the office, while it's at rest when nobody's using it, during transmission, you know, if you're moving it from one location to another, or during destructions. All of these have rules on how to protect them, and you should know how to do that. And um, you should be using the NISPOM to make that decision, and your company might also have the SPP, as we talked about in the last podcast. Um, failure to protect classified information could, you know, result in corporate discipline, revocation, or pulling of your security clearance. It can happen to the personnel in a company that has a security clearance, and the entire company could lose their security clearance for these bad practices. You could be debarred from conducting classified business, face prosecution, and jail time. Um, now, we talked about earlier about classification challenges. You can challenge a classification level if it's inappropriate or unnecessary. And I've had a case where we've had classified information that I didn't believe was marked properly. And the way I handled that was going back to the government customer and filing something called a classification challenge. And so you fill out the paperwork and you submit it to the government program office and they will make a determination um it's best if it does go through program levels and make sure your company's facility security officer officer or security team understands it and they can challenge it for you so i've mentioned the uh, security classification guides um they're usually made by the program office and they sometimes include the contractor's opinions uh, they're created by a team of experts that understand the system well. They're applied to an effort and signed by an original classification authority. So, as we talked about in the last podcast, your DD Form 254 is appropriate for each classified contract that you have. So, each classified contract, if it's dependent on a weapon system or something that you're making or studying, they should include a security classification guide if appropriate and if it exists. Um, the security classification guide tells you what the item is for classification, um, what the classification level is, what the duration of that classification level is, and some remarks that tell you a little bit about why it's classified. Maybe it's a performance factor or maybe some reason that if that information got out, it would cause damage to national security. Um, Well-written SCG will provide information such as um, how do you apply the derivative classification, tell you what is classified, the classification level, and information on the classification duration as I talked about earlier. Now, some of the elements of the classification guide are administration, the items, processes, testing, simulation, modeling, performance. Those may be elements of the class guide. That you know, if you're performing these functions, you should know um, what the raw data is going to be classified at, and it will help you protect it in your program. So let's talk about information sharing. How do you share classified information with people in your company? Start with this easy question: True or false? Everyone in our company has a clearance, so we can all work together on our classified contracts. Well, it all depends. Security clearance does not equal access to classified information. However, security clearance plus a need to know equals access. So what's inf- what's need to know? If I have a secret clearance and you have a secret clearance, but we work on different contracts, doesn't mean we get to see each other's information. 
the need to know specifically is that it do you have a contractual need to understand that information and if the answer is no you may not have need to know it's the responsibility of the holder of classified information to determine need to know and ensure that the person they're giving it to has a classification or has a security clearance it's the a security clearance should be at the proper level and they should have need to know so if somebody has a confidential clearance and they need to know then they should be able to seek that uh, confidential classified information. However, if the information is classified, they shouldn't have access to it. Now, a person with top secret information, uh, top secret clearance, should be able to access top secret information, secret information, and confidential information only if they have the need to know for all three or any one of those three. Um, sharing extends to not only conversations or passing documents from one person to the next, includes also email, presentations, anything you fax, anything you mail, or anything that's being curried. It's up to the, it's the responsibility of the sender to make sure that the receiver receives the properly proper information that's properly marked. So derivative classification is a requirement for every two years. Um should be well understood by all cleared employees. And the elements of the of the training or the requirements are found in this palm, and it's an inspectable item by the Defense Security Services. The government performs original classified or classification. The cleared contractors perform derivative classification. Without the training, you would not be able to meet these security requirements, and no training means no work. So make sure that you have the proper training. Um, Red Bike Publishing does produce this training on their website. We can download it and present it to your cleared employees. So let's uh, take a little fun little exam. Select the best answer. Number one is the following are examples of derivative classification except one, a printed copy, two, a phrase from a classified report, or three, a chart reflecting classified test data. Well, we talked about earlier that a copy or a duplicate is not a direct classification, it's just another copy of it. So that answer would be A, a printed copy. Next question is, original classification authority communicates classification decisions through A, the DD Form 254, the security classification guides, C, the classification markings, or D, all of the above. Well, I hope you selected D, all of the above. Now, one place to find the duration of classified information is in the security classification guide. True or false? I hope you picked A because that's true. Number four, all the following are methods of protecting classified conversations except one, use a secure phone line, B, speak in a closed area, or C, whisper in public areas. Well, we all know classified conversations should only be conducted in authorized areas even if you whisper, so C is the right choice there. Let's see. Before someone relinquishes classified information to another person, they should verify one A, security clearance level, B, whether or not they have need to know, C, job title, D, which is both A and B, or E, all of the above, and I hope you chose security clearance level and need to know. 
you should know what the security clearance level is and whether or not that person has need to know before you give them any classified information. So let's talk about sanctions. A sanction for security violation includes jail, A, B, employment termination, C, a warning, or D, all of the above. Yes, if you give out classified information in an unauthorized manner, you could face one or all three of the above. All right, anyone with a security clearance of secret, they have a secret security clearance, they should automatically have access to anything that is secret and below. So they should have access to confidential and secret. Is that true or false? Well, I hope you said false because it did not include a statement of need to know. Question number eight. All must be considered before the original classification authority can assign a classification marking. So all of these must be considered except they may cause damage to national security. A. B. Is owned by the government. C. Displays nuclear vulnerabilities. Or D. Hides a nationally embarrassing situation. Well, I hope you choose D because you're not supposed to classify some hide an embarrassing situation. 9. All the following conditions are to be met before an OCA can classify an item, except original classification authorities involved. B, the government owns it, or the U.S. government owns it. C, information can cause damage to national security. Or D, the information could embarrass the president. D, you cannot classify something to save embarrassment. Kind of looks like the question I asked earlier. All right. Now, number 10 and final question is, unauthorized disclosure of items classified at the secret level could A, cause extremely serious damage, B, cause damage, C, cause extremely grave damage, or D, cause serious damage. Ding, 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 it is D. All right, well, thank you for walking through our training with us, and I hope this derivative classification um, conversation has Made you, made you better understand what your requirements are under NISPOM. You don't have to be a security expert or a facility, facility security officer to understand this. It's a requirement that's levied on everyone, and the training is all these elements that we talked about. So it's not too daunting. It's not too hard. So make sure you, if you're the only one in the company or your other cleared employees, have a record of being trained. Write down their names and the dates that the training was done. Provide a little security certificate if you need to, just so that when the DSS comes through, that you can demonstrate that, yes, everybody is up to speed, that they have been trained according to the elements as defined in the um, NISPOM. Again, if you need a NISPOM, go to dss.mil website and you can download a copy of it, or you can visit redbikepublishing.com. We do have the NISPOM in the print version with a nice cover on it available for all your employees. Thanks again for joining us. We couldn't do this without you. Again, this is our third episode, and we look forward to interviewing a security expert in our next episode. Until then, be safe, secure, and protect those classified documents. Thank you for joining DOD Secure, the podcast that talks about security clearances and protecting classified information according to the NISPOM. For more information, visit us at dodsecure.com or email us at editor at redbikepublishing.com. 
We would again like to thank our sponsors, SecurityClearanceDefenseLawyer.com and Security First and Associates at www.SecurityFirstAssociates.com.